0: Christmas is a time of joyful giving. Christmas is spending time with family and friends. Snow for Santa! Snow for Santa. Christmas is love. Christmas is about celebrating the birth of Jesus. Christmas is spending time with the people I love. Welcome to Crossroads, everybody. Good seeing everybody here in the atrium and in Fort Collins. You know, I thought the ugly sweater contest was this week. (laughs) Sorry about that. Hey, I want to begin with a group activity. So everybody stand in this room, the atrium. Everybody stand up. We haven't done this in a while. I want you to share some Christmas traditions with the person next to you. Here's the first one. I want you to tell them... Are you a real tree family or fake tree family? Go ahead, tell them. Real tree or fake tree? All right, I got another one. Here's another one. Now do you blanket the whole yard and house with Christmas lights? You know, kind of like the Clark Griswold approach? Or are you more conservative, more understated, more minimalistic when it comes to decorations? Go ahead, tell them. Okay, here's another one, another one. Now, when it comes to Christmas gifts... Do you open your Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning like you're supposed to? (laughs) Go ahead and tell them. Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. All right, I got another one. Uh, If Santa were to rate you this year, If you were a good boy or a good girl, scale of one to 10, okay? 10, you were an angelic little darling all year. One, you're a rotten scoundrel. How would Santa rate you? Okay, one more, one more, this is it. How many times have you wished somebody you think in the last week, Merry Christmas, how many times? Tell that person and then wish them a Merry Christmas and you can be seated. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Have a scene. I want to welcome you to our Christmas series. Christmas Is. And we are working very hard in this room, up in our Ford College campus, in all our children and student areas this December to fill and refill our hearts and minds with about what Christmas really is. And today I want to begin. I want to read the most famous. Christmas passage of all time. It's found in Luke chapter two, begins at verse 10. It's in the message notes on the side screens. You can follow along or just listen as I read this. Here it is. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that'll be for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Churches this time of year, they make a beeline, a beeline for that verse right there, that passage. And they also make a beeline for the most famous, most familiar Christmas verse of all time that is in that passage. Luke two fourteen. glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth, peace to those in whom his favor rests. Christmas is about peace on earth. Everybody knows that. It's amazing. Everybody, it seems, knows that Christmas is about peace on earth. Everybody knows this. The Christmas cards, they all say it. Jesus came to earth as a baby. He came, one of the reasons, to bring his peace to this earth. But peace, peace, when you look around, you go, where's the peace? Where is it? Where is that peace that Jesus came to bring? Peace on earth. You know, I talk to families here at the church uh, every so often. They have a son or a daughter in uniform. They're in the military. They're stationed in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, Syria, Somalia, South Korea. You know, every once in a while somebody comes down front after a service and they ask one of us to pray, pray for their son or their daughter, their loved one that's in uniform right now. Don't you wish there was peace in those regions around the world? But peace is not the word that we use to describe our world today. Not at all. Maybe the word would be stressful, maybe uh, anxious, tense, on edge. Fearful, those are the words we'd use to describe our world, but not peaceful. One time, one of the Old Testament prophets put this dream of a peace-filled world into such poetic language that people of faith, people of no faith, still quote him. It's Isaiah chapter two, verse four. Someday, Isaiah says, someday swords will be beaten into plowshares. Weapons will be converted to farm implements and spears into pruning hooks. Someday, nations will not take up sword against other nations, nor will they train for war anymore. Someday, someday, there will be peace. That's right out of the Old Testament scripture right there. People in that day, they imagined a day where every, every weapon would be melted into a farm implement, a farm tool that would be used to feed needy and hungry people. People in that day, they imagined a day when young men of fighting age and it was only men at that time. They imagined a day when those young men wouldn't be ripped out of their homes to go fight the King's war, never to be seen again. They imagined a day back then when every human being, every human being would commit themselves for training for diplomacy and negotiations that would lead to peace. And they would no longer train for violence and slaughter and killing and mayhem. They imagined a peace-filled world. And when you read the Bible, if you've taken us up on our challenge this year to spend 10 minutes a day reading the Bible, you read the Bible from the book of Genesis all the way, all the way to the book of Revelation, you will see God's dream for this world. That if you're taking notes, you could write that down. God's dream for every person on the planet is peace. Peace, that they would experience peace. The peace of God, peace within, internal peace, and peace with other people. That's God's dream. And what I want to do for the next few moments, I want to show you some scriptures. To get this idea of this peace-filled world that God dreams of, I want it to fill our minds that that's what God wants for everyone. Everyone in this world. Every one of us. So let's look at some of these scriptures. Like, like Numbers 6. 24 and 25. It says the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn toward his face towards you. And give you peace. About the coming Messiah. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 9.6. About the coming Messiah, he said, "He will be called wonderful counselor, Almighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of peace." Jesus said these words in Matthew five verse nine. He said, "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons and daughters of God." One of Jesus' most famous sayings was John 14:27. He said, "Peace I leave with you, My peace." I give you. And later Jesus would add these words, John 16, 33. He said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. And Jesus's followers, they certainly got the peace message because they wrote about it later in their lives. Like the apostle Paul in Ephesians 2, 14, what he said, for he, that's Jesus, for he himself is our peace. In Colossians 3.15, Paul wrote this. He said, let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your hearts since as members of his family, you were called to peace. You were called to peace. The apostle Peter put it in even stronger terms. Stronger terms in 1 Peter 3.11. He said, turn from evil. Enough of that. Turn from evil and do good. Do plenty of good in this world. Seek peace and pursue it. Get intentional about it. Make it a priority in your life to be filled with peace, peace with God, inner peace, peace with others. Be a peacemaker in Jesus' name. And let's not forget what the choir of angels were singing in the dark skies over Bethlehem on that first Christmas. Luke two fourteen: glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace to those in whom his favorite rests. I mean, I could go on and on. I could list 20 more of these things. But it'd be like piling on. God's dream for this world. God's dream for every person in the planet. God's preferred state is peace. Peace between nations. Peace between races. Peace between people of various religions. Intergenerational peace. Personal peace. Internal peace. There's very few subjects that stirred the heart of God more than this one, the subject of peace. And I want to spend the rest of my time, I want to talk about personal peace. I want to spend the rest of my time talking about internal personal peace. And I want to wonder out loud, you know, why so few people experience internal peace if this is God's desire. And I'm talking about people of faith, people of no faith. I think it's about the same. Very few people experience the peace of Christ ruling and reigning in their hearts today. And I wonder about that. And I think I, think I have some ideas why. I think I have some ideas why very few people experience peace. We, we all face these things that I call peace busters that shatter any sense of peace we have. And a peace buster, that's like a, a circumstance, a situation, a situation. A force that shatters any sense of peace we have, like a, like a baseball shatters a, a neighbor's window during a backyard baseball game. And I've thought a lot about this. What are some of these peace busters that we face in life? I think the first one, I think it would have to be sudden or unexpected bad news. Bad news. That'll shatter your sense of peace. I mean, it's amazing how you can be cruising along in life. I mean, you're very peaceful in life. You know, the waters are calm, they're tranquil. Then all of a sudden you get a phone call. You get a text message. You get an email with an urgent sign next to it. You know, you get a a registered letter. You get a knock at the door. You get a letter under the door, a pink slip under the door. You get a bad medical report. All of a sudden the tranquil waters turn into tidal waves and you feel like you're gonna drown. I mean, how do you hang on to a sense of peace when you get broadsided by bad news in life? How do you do it? I'll give you another peace buster. What about a relational breakdown? You're in conflict with somebody in your life? You're a neighbor, somebody in the family? That'll rob your sense of peace. I read this story a while ago. It was written by a 44-year-old woman She writes this. She said, I'm from a family of four kids, four kids. I have a half brother and a half sister by my dad's first marriage. My other sister and me, I'm the youngest. And she writes about how in her family, there was drug abuse and alcohol abuse went on for years, years, she said. And she continues. She says, my dad was a rageaholic. He often hit us. He would say, that's how you discipline kids. I have many memories of being totally immobilized with fear. I would hide in a closet or curl up under the bed. His voice was so loud, it would shake the house. I remember so many times crying myself to sleep, hiding under the covers. I hardly ever felt safe. I mean, how did anyone in that house hang on to a sense of peace? When you never knew when dad was going to get drunk and start yelling and screaming and pushing little kids around. Things like that. How do you live? How do you live in peace in that kind of a deal? Maybe there's conflict in your life. You know, with a family member or a friend, somebody in the neighborhood. Maybe you have a brother or sister you no longer speak to. Or, or maybe it's a, a son or a daughter or a mom or a dad. and You know there ought to be love flowing between you, but you got a hole in your heart because there's this distance, this distance. How do, you, how do you hang on to peace when you're at war with somebody in your life? Pretty hard, pretty hard. Here, here's another peace buster. What about money pressure? Money pressure. I know a lot of people under financial stress this Christmas. And I know unemployment's at an all-time low, but I also know many people working two, three jobs, driving Ubers all night to make ends meet. It's sometimes money pressures because of, you know, we got carried away with spending and, you know, there's old fashioned credit card abuse, all that. But sometimes it's not. I know people that, you know, they handled their money wisely, they controlled their spending, they handled their money God's way, and they experienced peace. Then something happened they lost their job, they had a medical emergency. And now every day they, they, every day there's this nerve-wracking scramble to figure out a new scheme to keep bill collectors off their back. You know, how do you hang on to peace in a deal like that when you're sinking financially more and more every month? Anxiety will increase during a time like that. I'll give you another peace buster. What about, what about the restlessness of guilt and shame because Because you made a bad mistake at some point in your life. What about that? And there's nobody that hasn't made mistakes in life. I mean, Romans 3.10 says, no one is righteous. No one, not one. In fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if every person listening to this didn't have something in your past that you feel guilty about. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you got a DUI. Maybe you had a financial collapse. Maybe you got a police record. Maybe you cheated and got caught. Maybe you flunked out of school, kicked out of the house, fired from the job. Maybe for years you've introduced yourself as, hi, my name's so-and-so, I'm an alcoholic. Or maybe it's drugs or gambling. Or maybe it's pornography. But what you did back then still defines you. In fact, it's become who you are. How can you hang on to peace? How can you have the peace of Christ ruling and reigning in your heart when you're filled with guilt or shame? How? Huh. I'll give you one more. One last one. Then i am with the peace buzzer. One last one here. It's that moment you realize, this one. The moment you realize you're gonna die someday. You know, knowledge of your own mortality, that'll rob your peace. You know, most of us are like the guy who said, you know, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> many of you are living with physical challenges, physical challenges. Many of, many of us have had bad medical reports or ourselves or in our family in the last year. Some of you are getting older, some of you. You're in like the fourth quarter of life. Some of you are doing like the two-minute drill. Some of you are like in overtime right now. Not me. I'm a lot younger than all of you, but many of you. How do you have the peace of Christ rule and reign in your heart when you know you're going to be moving on to the next life in the not-too-distant future? God's dream for all of us is what? What's God's dream for all of us? Peace, peace. But we get whacked in life we get whacked by bad news. We have broken relationships, financial pressure, moral screw ups, knowledge of our own mortality. All that comes crashing in. So what do we do? What do we do? You know what most people do? They bail on the whole idea of having peace in their life. Many people, they just bail on it. They say in this life, In this life, you just live with low-level worry, fear, and anxiety. That's all you can do. You just learn to deal with it. The Bible would teach otherwise. The Bible would teach otherwise. The Bible would say you can have peace of Christ ruling and reigning in your life. You can have it despite the peace busters. And I'm going to get real practical right now, real practical. I'm going to show you how when a peace buster slams into your life, I'm gonna show you what to do, how to have peace. Here's the first thing scripture would say. When your world gets turned upside down, and I've shared this point before, number one thing you do, you call a timeout. That's the first thing. You go, timeout, stop. And you do what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, when he said, we take captive every thought. You call a timeout. You take every thought captive. You refuse to be controlled by fear-inducing thoughts. You do. And Paul says it's possible. Let me explain it this way. You ever watch a basketball game? One team goes on a run. They score like 8, 10 baskets in a row. I mean, what does that coach do on the opposing team that had the, the momentum shift against her? What does she do? She calls a timeout. Calls a timeout right there. She's got to stop the action. Got to rally the team. You know, she doesn't want the game to get out of control. Get away from her. She's got to stop the whole thing. It's the same thing. This is true in our spiritual life. Same concept in our spiritual life. You're enjoying the rule and reign of Christ in your life. And then out of nowhere, out of nowhere, your peace gets shattered by some bad news. What do you do? What do you do? I'll tell you what most of us do. We get terrible thoughts in our mind at, that's, at that point. We start imagining worst case scenarios. We start catastrophizing. You start going, oh no, oh no, this is not going to turn out well. You know, it's not going to, this is going to be an absolute disaster. That's what's going to happen. And you start catastrophizing. The apostle Paul would say, no, you stop that. You stop that. You call a timeout. You take those hysterical thoughts captive. Stop the hysterical thoughts. Stop the catastrophizing thoughts. You stop them. You stop them. You hold them captive when you get those thoughts. And that's something you can do. You can do that's the first thing. Now what do you do after you take the 60 second timeout? What do you do? You take the 60 second timeout. Then what do you do? You call the timeout. You go, I'm going to stop all this ridiculous stuff. What's the next step? You know what scripture would say? Number two, you focus on positive truths from God's word. That's the second thing you do then. You fill your mind with positive truths from God's word. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's what Romans says. You start focusing on positive truths. Go back to the basketball analogy. Coach sees the game get out of control. She wisely calls the timeout. What does she do when she gathers the team around her on the sideline? What do coaches do? They hammer their team with positive truth. You know, she or he would go, guys, girls, this game's not over. Come on, we're still in it. We can turn this thing around. We're good. Settle down. Take a breath, breathe, guzzle some Gatorade. You know, stop thinking ridiculous thoughts. Like we ought to, you know, just hold up the white flag, go in the locker room right now. We're still in this thing. We can win it. We can win it. We can get it back. That's what we need to do. That's what you need to do. When you get whacked by life, your peace gets blown out of the water. You go, hey, time out, time out. I'm not gonna let my thoughts run away from me here. I'm gonna keep my head, I'm gonna keep my head. I'm gonna take this stuff captive. Then I'm gonna focus my mind on positive truths from God's word about the way life really is, about where God is in the midst of this thing that's slammed into my life. The people of faith I wanna be most like, by the way, the people of faith I wanna most be like They have all learned the best time to get alone with God is as close to the moment of deep disappointment as possible. So God can become the refuge and strength right from the get-go. And by the way, that's Psalm 46.1, my favorite Psalm. Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. I memorized the whole Psalm 46 a couple years ago. God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, I will not fear. You know, I memorized that right before my wife, Phyllis, was diagnosed with cancer. You know, and hearing those words in an emergency room one night, I mean, that's one of those experiences where you hear those, the word cancer, the room starts spinning, your head gets all foggy and all that. I was so grateful. I had Psalm 46, one, right there. And I could remind all of us, God is our refuge and strength right now. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and its mountains quake with their surging, We will not, we will not fear. And a little aside here. You know, some people think memorizing scripture is like old-fashioned, or people go, I don't need to memorize scripture, I got it on my phone. I couldn't disagree more. I think every Christ follower ought to have a dozen or two verses put to memory so that we're reminded God is with us and God will never leave us. I'll give you other ones that I have. I say Psalm 121, one and two almost every night. I look to the mountains. Where does my help come from in this life? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? Be strong, be courageous. Don't be terrified, don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's God's word to you. God will never leave you or forsake you. And Zephaniah, Zephaniah 3.17, I'm not making this up, Zephaniah. This is for you today, Zephaniah. God says this to you right now. Whatever you're going through, the Lord your God is living among you. The Lord your God is living among you. He's a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you. Some Bibles say he will sing over you with joyful songs. Psalm 16, 8, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. I got tons of them. I got tons of these. Whenever my world gets rocked, and my world's been rocked more than you can imagine, I think I've absorbed more bad news in my life and ministry than most people. And all I'm saying here is I'm not teaching some clever little system. You know, some little how-to, you know, you fill in the blanks, pitch it on the way out. What I'm teaching right here is a spiritual practice, a discipline I've used every day of my life to keep my peace. I have. So your peace gets wrapped. What do you do? You call a timeout. You take hysterical thoughts captive. You start reminding yourself what's true. You flood your soul. With what is true from God's word. And then the third thing you do, number three, you declare your faith in the power and goodness of God. You declare your faith, your trust, your belief. Faith, trust, and belief mean are all the same word in Greek. I declare my faith, my trust in the power and the goodness of God. As I walk into an uncertain future. I mean, this is critical. There's a young woman I, I talked to a while ago. She had her peace shattered. Her mother, her mother, who's a lot younger than me, a lot younger, was diag- had a tumor. She had a diagnosed with a tumor, cancerous, and it was in her brain. And it was gonna require surgery. Surgery would be complicated, potentially life-threatening. I mean, that qualifies as a peace buster right there. Her world got racked. At that point. And the daughter tells me all this and asked me to pray for her, and I did. And then after I prayed, we talked. And, and I was surprised to find she did these kinds of things. She had taken a time out. She, she flooded her mind with truth from God's word. She was saying things like, God is with me, God will never leave me or forsake me, those kinds of things. And then I asked her, How are you gonna live between this day and when you find out how the surgery goes? How are you going to live every day? You know what she said? She said, I'm going to trust in the power and the goodness of God. That's where the point came from. She said, I'm going to put my faith in the power and goodness of God. I'm going to believe best case scenarios. I'm going to believe everything's going to turn out okay. And until I learn otherwise, and if circumstances turn out otherwise, I know God is going to be with me then also, and we'll cross that bridge together if that were to happen. But between now and then, I believe in best case scenarios. And what she said, I thought was so profoundly important for all of us to understand as we try to hang on to our peace. To hang on to our peace, we have to every day, every day, go into every day when we're dealing with a difficult time, in a difficult time in life. Every day we wake up and say, I'm going to put my faith in the power and goodness of God today. And I'm going to let go of some things. And I'm going to trust trust God. You know, Henry Nowen writes about what he says. He thinks is the perfect picture of trust or faith or even hope. And what Henry Nowen says is the perfect picture of faith or trust. He says it's a trapeze artist. You know a trapeze artist. You know the one person's on the bar. They let go of the bar and they're like out in the air and they... And they're waiting to get caught, but they let go, and they put their faith. They're trusting that other person's going to be there to catch them. And that's a perfect picture of faith and trust. And you know, trapeze artists, there's, there's two trapeze artists. I mean, there's the flyers, and then there's the catchers. And the flyers, most people think the flyers are are the stars. You know, they let go of the bar. They're doing somersaults in the air. They're the stars. One flyer told Henry Nowen, they're not the star. The star is the catcher. That's the star. Flyer's got to fly. But the catcher's got to catch. Catcher's got to catch. The flyer's got to have faith and trust, all that. And the flyer lets go. And with outstretched still arms is just trusting that that catcher's going to be there. It's a perfect picture of faith and trust. But it's scary. It's scary to let go and to trust that someone's going to be there to catch you. And I saw a picture recently, just how scary it is. I wanted you to see this. That is a scary picture right there. But isn't that a fabulous picture? I mean, it's fabulous. I'll bet you never thought you'd see that picture when you left your house coming to church today. But what if, the, what, if the, what if the catcher's not there? What if he's not strong enough? What if his hands get sweaty? You know, what about all that? He's just trusting that catcher's gonna be there, be there to catch him. Some of us are in a vulnerable place right now. Some of the situations we're in in our life that's wrecked our peace, it's not gonna get resolved in 30 days. We gotta let go. Let go of fear and anxiety, trust in God. Some of the situations, the messes, the storms we're facing, because of the nature of them, they're not gonna get resolved in 24 hours or 24 days, maybe. So the question is how are you gonna live? How are you gonna live each day? How are you gonna do that? How are you gonna live each day? I'll tell you how you live. You make a decision. I'm gonna let go of fear, I'm gonna let go of anxiety, I'm gonna let go of panic. And I'm gonna trust in the power and goodness of God. I'm gonna trust in the God of the universe, the creator of this whole world, the maker of heaven and earth, my refuge and strength. I'm gonna trust that God's gonna be there for me. And I'm gonna believe best case scenarios. I'm gonna believe everything's gonna turn out all right. I'm gonna face each day with faith based optimism. And if at some point circumstances prove otherwise, God will be with me then too. And we'll cross that bridge together at that time. But I'm gonna trust in the power and the goodness of God every single day. And I wanna say one more time, a scripture that I read earlier, and I wanna say this to everybody here, everybody listening and watching this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for every single one of you. Peace. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this concept, this beautiful concept of peace. The absence of conflict, the absence of restlessness and anxiety, a spirit of love and joy. God, teach us to do these things. Take these timeouts and take hysterical thoughts captive and dismiss them. Help us to barrage our, our mind and our soul with, with phrases and verses that remind us what's true. That God, you are with us. That we're treasured children of the most high God. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And help us to get up every morning and put our faith and trust in you, God, in your power and your goodness and to believe the best is going to come and that, God, you're going to do that in our lives. And I pray for you, and I pray for anyone that doesn't have a foundational peace in your life because you've never opened your heart, your life, to Jesus Christ. You can today leave with the peace that passes human understanding let that flood your soul and your mind. Just pray with me. and Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive my sins. May your Holy Spirit flood my soul with your peace. In Jesus' name.